0: Are you interested in Christian education? Would you like to learn how to be a Christian teacher or how to run your very own Christian school with success? The GCS Apprenticeship Program can help. Learn more on our website at gcsapprenticeship.com.
1: for this one i'm joe let's uh, let's get right to it all right ezekiel says in ezekiel chapter 13 uh, and starting at starting at verse 10 because indeed because they have seduced my people saying peace when there is no peace and the one builds a wall and they plaster it with untempered mortar say to those who plaster it with untempered mortar That it will fall, that there will be flooding rain and you, O great hailstones, shall fall and a stormy wind shall tear it down. Surely when the wind has fallen, it will be said to you, where is the mortar with which you plastered it? Where is this mortar? Therefore, thus says the Lord God, I will cause a stormy wind to break forth in my fury, And there shall be a flooding rain in my anger, and great hailstones and fury to consume it. So I'll break down the wall which you have plastered with untempered mortar, and bring it down to the ground, so that its foundation will be uncovered. It will fall, and you shall be consumed in the midst of it. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. Lord, help us. Um, you have blessed us with illumination in the time of darkness. And um, help us as those who say we haven't bowed the knee to bail. Help us face this situation that we're in today. Um, this embarrassing situation. With grace. And help us learn the lessons that you would have us to learn. In, uh, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Look, we live in a time of great peril. In a culture governed by the idol of humanism standing on a very cracked and compromised Christian foundation. We were not placed into this situation yesterday. As Christian Reconstructionists, we know that history does not occur in a vacuum, that the child sacrifice of abortion, the abortion genocide, the child sacrifice that rages around us, the humanistic incubation centers where the minds of the rising generation our sacrifice to Moloch, the lawlessness enforcement of the proactive police state, the unbalanced scales in the marketplace, the injustices of the pagan state great society network, executive state immigration controls to the welfare trap, to the modern plantations, to the projects, to the prisons, and on and on and on. Everywhere you look, the evidence that the religion of our culture is Moloch worship, humanism, that the adulation of the king state, is as plain as day to anyone with illumination during this time of darkness. This religion of death demands human sacrifice, just as it always has done. And our countrymen and churchmen alike are eager to provide the capital. So, Those with such illumination who know not to look to the left or to the right, but to the cross to apply the victory of Jesus to every sphere of life in the here and now to exercise dominion and to take the land for our King as part and parcel of the great commission are small in number, but blessed abundantly with every resource that we need, every resource that we need to build the foundations, rebuild the foundations, however you want to put it and the wall for the city of God. We just can't afford to build with untempered mortar And we can't expect, and we can expect 100% that tests will come, severe tests that expose the frailty of our weakest points, our most embarrassing points, the softest portions of our underbelly as image bearers that have this treasure in earthen jars. Look, I, I became a reconstructionist a little over a year ago. My motivation was consistency, not false unity, but consistency previously as a conservative evangelical i began to see way too many inconsistencies in the application of the christian faith to the culture to reconcile way too much calling evil good and good evil too many empty slogans appeal to heaven while appealing to the state to make heaven on earth don't tread on me except please tread on me in every way possible and do so in the name of law and order one nation under God. Yeah, the God of humanism. You know, when I got to that line, my own line in the sand, where the Spirit gave me illumination, and I could go no further in good conscience as a professional shill for the American state idolatry movement. This was, you know, about a year ago. Uh, I couldn't do it. I couldn't slap the Christian fish insignia on the, on, on the rolling wagon of status nonsense. Uh, I became by the grace of God, a Christian Reconstructionist. So, uh, coming from the American Evangelifish world, where where vote Republican is the means to establishing justice and uh, Ted Cruz and Marco Rubio are characters of biblical proportions, able to pack out mega churches on a few nights' notice on the campaign trail. being granted illumination the, the illumination of basic Christianity applied to the culture in every sphere with no compromise or toleration of idolatry. It was just so huge for me becoming a reconstructionist now I, I found a pearl of great price man I, I, I gladly traded. My career as an evangelical pulpit poacher, pro-life professional spokesperson, aspiring gospel rap star, all of this. You know, I I counted it as rubbish uh, to gain the knowledge of the full orb gospel of the kingdom of God. Uh, It cost cost me a lot, you know, uh, uh, relatively speaking, and I believe I've gained more. But it's cost me money, friends, whatever. It's not about me. Christian reconstruction is simply not compatible with 501c3 American churchianity. It's just not. You know, I, I had built my kingdom in the latter and eagerly ditched it for a chance to build the kingdom of God in the former. You could say that there is a line in the, sta- in the sand between e- American evangelicalism and Christian reconstruction, or what we know as the full orb gospel, Okay. So one of the things that always bothered me when I was a conservative idolater uh, was the plight of uh, the image bearers of God in the inner cities. That was one of the things that bothered me the most. The Great Society plantations erected by the federal beast because the conservative churches in our land were busy fighting the amalgamation of the races During the segregation and civil rights eras. So instead of establishing justice, the conservative churches got busy fighting race mixing, calling it communism, and arguing for the status quo of the codified injustice of Jim Crow. Therefore... The FDR administration saw its opportunity. Swooped in, became the voice of justice. Put on the status Superman cape, became the voice of justice. Flew over the apathetic uh, churches, caught up in uh, uh, in, in their uh, establishment of the status quo, uh, racist theology, so on and so forth, or uh, or just general indifference. Because we have a lot, we had a lot of that, and still do. So the state becomes the voice of justice in the ghetto, establishes fake civil rights, grew the size of government, ballooned a whole new constituency in its foul belly uh, until it became the size of a monster capable of squashing opposition from the conservative churches, of course. This is covenant theology. If you don't serve the marginalized, if you don't serve the least, those that will serve the least will gain the power, and that's exactly what the government did, what the state did—it's always the church versus the state. This is a constant war. Jesus is Lord; Caesar is not. So, FDR said it himself on Air Force One, and this is what he said after uh, passing the so-called Civil Rights Act uh, in 1964. This is what he said, overhe- overhe- overheard by his stewardess. He said, uh, "I'll have those—I'll have those N words." Voting Democrat for the next 200 years. That's what he said. I'll have those mm, voting Democrat for the next 200 years. This is how judgment works. The churches neglect justice. The state takes the opportunity to provide the fake justice and crush the churches in the process. Ask any Christian business owner facing the Civil Rights Division of the FBI how that works. So you better bake that cake. And you better Bake it with a rainbow with two men or two women on the top of it, and you better bake it well. It will come for your stuff. Anyway, the conservative solution to the problem of the Great Society has always been to tell its inhabitants to pull themselves up by their bootstraps and live the American dream. You know, never an acknowledgement that American conservatives set the conditions for those very modern plantations that oppress both the ghetto dwellers and the conservatives themselves today. Whenever anybody brings up the past for today's American conservative on this issue, it's like the past doesn't exist. It's like everybody's a liberal. Every History started yesterday. History begins today. How dare you accuse me of having anything to do with this? I didn't own any slaves. I have like five black friends i i helped this black person back in 1992 so on and so forth okay of course the complete opposite happens when we talk about the glory days of the founding and the constitutional convention and all the civic religion idolatry that we have then then and only then The blessings of the American experiment and free market capitalism and yada, yada, yada go way back. And we're proud of our forebears for creating the greatest nation in history. And it's the greatest nation in history ever known. And we stand on the shoulders of giants and on and on and on. It's only when you bring up slavery and racism that everyone was born yesterday and nobody has any covenantal guilt whatsoever. And what the heck is going on? And you must be a libtard. I don't even know why you're bringing this up. Look, there isn't really much that compares with the anti-intellectual schizophrenia of the contemporary American conservative, but there you have it. It is what it is. Even when I was an evangelical conservative myself, I smelled a dead fish in this area. It's kind of hard to miss, even if you're holding your nose and pushing the button for Donald Trump or something like that. Nevertheless, the one thing that I can easily attest to, one thing I can easily attest to, I can attest to this, never- in all of my time climbing the slimy rungs of the Evangelic Fish Ministry Industrial Complex professional ladder, never had I met a respected voice in those circles that boldly justified segregation or racism. Today, of course, you know, there are plenty of slips that demonstrate clearly latent racism, maybe like support for the police state, things like that, comments on immigration, so on and so forth. But never the overt in your face. The races must be kept separate because God says so racism of the 1950s American conservative pseudo Christianity that allowed Moloch to build his pagan state ghettos on the dry bones of the American churches. That, at the very least, does not exist in the pitiful American evangelical fish kitty kingdom. It doesn't exist. That doesn't exist. So not a very high bar to clear, but folks, they cleared it. The evangelicals do not have this problem on their professional circuit. Now, guess where you would have to go? Guess where you would have to go to find such a despicable mound of theological vomit pushed from platforms ecclesiological platforms in our culture today guess where you would have to go man (laughs) i'm sorry this is embarrassing this is just embarrassing lord help us look as as y'all know i just got finished narrating uh joel mcdermott's new book The Problem of Slavery in Christian America, An Ethical Judicial History of American Slavery and Racism for Reconstructionist Radio. As Joel shared on his latest War Room interview, he did not set out to write a book about slavery. He wanted to address criminal justice reform, to smash the idol of the prison industrial complex, and to set image bearers free to a model of biblical justice, which would be restitution. However, what is the penalty in God's law, Theonomists, if someone cannot pay restitution, well, that's right. Biblical slavery is the penalty. He must work off the debt until the victim is paid uh, a double or 120 percent in the the case that he confesses first and and brings the money back or whatever the case may be. The victim must be made whole. In our system, in Moloch State, America, the state takes the place of the victim and enriches himself itself off the crime. While the state while the victim pays for the criminal stay in prison, where they get to make pruno, smoke weed, watch sports, get fat off canteen uh, and other luxuries like that, TV, uh, the criminal becomes a worse criminal, and the victim gets further theft exacted from his account by the iron fist of the pagan state. Extortion multiplied injustice all the way around, including the prison industrial complex gaffling up to300 dollars a head in stolen fiat money. For each prisoner, in many cases, that's per day. As Bo Marinoff covered in one of his first Acts to the Root podcast called The Prison Industrial Complex and Institutional Racism, one-third of black American males will be caged like an animal in the prison industrial complex at some point in their lives, making America the country with the largest percentage of its black male population enslaved. This is what you call institutionalized injustice whenever there is such injustice in a system it is the is it is the result of widespread idolatry a false god at the locus of policy, entrenching its false faith about ethics as official lawlessness, enslaving image bearers. In the case of the prison industrial complex, private companies build prisons at the expense of the taxpayers. Professional police are assessed by the number of arrests they make or revenue bagged for Moloch. At every level, the system pays for every arrest ticket or imprisoned convict, stimulating more of the same. So the stigmatized group of inner-city black males provides the perfect human capital for this contemporary plantation project a large enough group to provide the cargo but not large enough to have serious influence on public policy so the necessary labels are attached fatherlessness laziness dependency thugs etc and nobody bats an eye so blacks in america are used as a constituency to keep the pagan state in power through the rotten cheese of the welfare state the great society where they're raised as fodder for the plantations of the prison industrial complex and it's not just blacks. It's not black just blacks that are caught up. It's anyone in these pagan state ghettos. It's anyone in these great society plantations. It's just overwhelmingly a high minority percentage with many whites sprinkled in as well. I used to go down to the hood and whatever. So, you know, everybody pays one way or the other at the end of the day. Everybody pays. The ones who get the money stolen, the ones who are going, who are going through the system, uh, like hamsters. So Dr. McDermott, as any Christian brother would want to do, began going about the work of smashing the idol of our criminal injustice system and realized fairly quick that unless the issue of church complicity with slavery and racism in America, now catch this, was addressed first, it would be absurd to surmise the suggestion of a churchman that biblical slavery is the answer to the prison industrial complex. Can you believe that? Imagine that. How would that go over in the culture? If a church man said that biblical slavery is the answer to the prison industrial complex, tell me how that would be taken. Tell me that wouldn't be like we're trying to put you back in change in chains. Okay, so this record needed to be addressed. That is what the problem of slavery in Christian America was all about. So there's the conundrum. As detailed in the problem of slavery in Christian America, American Christians have a God awful record when it comes to this subject, a record that includes justifying black chattel slavery as biblical and using the Bible as whitewash over the hellishly rotten institutions, bloody walls. So if you are not familiar Please go to reconstructionistradio.com and listen to the audio book. We have that up there for free. You can download it for free. You can share it around. You can also purchase the book from americanvision.org. Please do that, but get up to speed on this very, very important book. Any seeker with a thread of honesty in their intentions will be left with their jaw hanging over the American church's covenantal guilt from, get this, overtly leasing slaves to pay the pastor's salary to coming up with excuses for why the slaveholders were otherwise outstanding Christians on average. Great works all over the place. Just victims to the circumstances at the time, you know. They were from Alabama or they were from South Africa, you know, stuff like that. The record is what it is. American churchmen backed the institution with theology, capital, and and commitment throughout the entire bloody history. After the Civil War, American churchmen provided the staunchest opposition to blacks receiving equal treatment under the law and worked to perpetuate slavery under different forms, convict leasing programs, um, uh, so on and so forth. It was always done on a racial basis with giant racial animus and hatred fueling the opposition to loving your neighbor regardless of the amount of melanin that they possess in their skin. For example, Southern Presbyterian churchman Robert L. Dabney, in this infamous passage, at the end of his disgusting bastardization of the Bible for chattel slavery, said, and this is, this is what he said, and this right here starts on page 380. And I, it, it took me three times just to read this section it, it, when I was recording this book. It starts on page 380. At the bottom. Listen to this. Get a load of this. Get a load of this. All right. But while we believe that God made all of one blood all nations of men to dwell under the the whole heavens, we know that the African has become, according to a well-known law of natural history, by the manifold influences of the ages, a different, fixed species of the race. Separated from the white man by traits bodily, mental, and moral. Almost as rigid and permanent as those of genus. Hence the offspring of an amalgamation must be a hybrid race. Stamped with all the feebleness of the hybrid. And incapable of the career of civilization and glory as an independent race. You listen to this? This is Robert L. Dabney. And and this apparently is the destiny which our conquerors have in view. Now listen to this line. If indeed they can mix the blood of the heroes of Manassas with this vile stream from the fens of Africa... Then they will never again have occasion to tremble before the righteous resistance of the Virginia freemen, but will have a race supple and vile enough to fill that position of political subjection which they desire to fix on the South. The fens of Africa. Man, the fire of God burns against that. I'm sorry, it's true. The fire of God rages against that. Man, (laughs) no words. Ridiculous. I mean, unbelievable. Unbelievable that that was preached from a pulpit. That that was the acceptable position regarding our black brothers and sisters in Christ or pagan blacks, or whatever. That culture is race-externalized and that the race of the African or the black is, 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 is disgusting, and it comes from the fens of Africa. That's Robert Dabney. Disgusting. Anyway, I urge anyone who has not listened or read to the problem of slavery in Christian America to put that on the priority list. Get to it. The contents therein Make it plain why conservative churches have lost their salt and light in our culture when it comes to having a voice on policy issues in these communities, in these Moloch state plantations. Thus, the idea of a conservative churchman suggesting biblical slavery as an alternative to the prison industrial complex would be met with violent laughter, violence and laughter perhaps, and well justified considering the history. Unless, of course, the record was addressed Repented for, corrected with right teaching and action. Right words, right action. After all, look. Christian reconstruction is indeed the solution to the institutionalized injustices of our culture, like the great society and prison industrial complex. Biblical slavery is actually the answer to the prison industrial complex. Believe it or not, that's the truth. And we, as those with illumination in the time of darkness, are responsible for bringing that truth in a way that can be digested to the culture. Straight up. Straight up, the standard for justice is the law of God, not the right wing police state or the left wing nanny state. Those of us blessed with illumination during a time of darkness, to see during the era of the lightless lampstand, we know this. Recons can boldly stand in the gap and repair the breach. We can be the X-wing, smashing the pathetic right wing and left wing political pigeon to smithereens. Those that base righteousness and justice on the solid rock of God's law have the remedy to the downtrodden in Moloch's ghettos, where the secular left can only offer more of the same more expansion of the great society pagan state nightmare and right-wing conservatives can only seem to conserve the left's big brother policies of yesterday recons have the ideology to win the hearts of those under the moloch state jackboot we know leadership does not come from the top down not lording over folks like the gentile we don't need to weasel our forces into the right political positions to gain power the culture follow those who serve in god's economy he who serves leads matthew 20 24 through 28 if only we could gain that voice we have the solution we have the remedy if only we could gain that voice if only we could get on that platform if only we could do that through service through right teaching through right action if only we could do that if only we could bear the fruits of repentance as American Christians and show that while our predecessors in the faith while they, while they bastardized the Bible to justify chattel slavery, to say the least, Jim Crow segregation, and were at best apathetic and neutral when the dust settled and the pagan state swooped in and fashioned the new welfare state chains, today there is a remnant moving in the power of God to right those wrongs. There is. To win the hearts of the cities. To offer true reparations, not a government check, but to truly repair the breach. To spark a revival amongst the downtrodden. To win the culture war for King Jesus as a result. To correct the past and boldly declare, now listen to me, boldly declare that culture is religion externalized. That faith is what matters, while race does not. Faith is what matters, race does not. This should be an easy lesson for us. Race does not determine culture, whether it's the culture of a marriage, whether it's the culture of a family, whether it is the culture of a government institution, whether it is the culture of a a school, whether it is the culture of a law enforcement whatever the culture is, race will not determine it. Faith will. That our predecessors who taught otherwise in the name of Christ who peddled the lie that the races should be separate, that distinct blood produces different culture, that Jesus wants a bride segregated into three different races, and nonsense like that? We're preaching paganism. People that look out onto like a uh, a, a different you know a, a human an image bearer of God and be like, oh, that's a mongoloid and stuff like that. I mean, this is just a pagan ideology. It's so it's so silly. I mean, it's just it's so embarrassingly silly. I mean, wow. Um, materialism. I mean, it's just material. What do you do with a uh, materialist who says, who, you know, a, a Darwinistic materialist who, who fashions himself as a tea? What do you do with them? You know, they say Christianity, duh. And, and what we're offering today as, as recons is the true truth. It's utterly different from the impostor of a religion that created the misery and the humanistic government dominance that we see today. After all, culture is faith externalized. Is it not? I mean, it's a good thing. Also, it's it's a it's a darn good thing, a wonderful thing, a Trumpian sized, absolutely marvelous thing. The best thing that evangelical Christianity in America has now graduated past the phase where overt racist beliefs and racist racial injustice would be tolerated in the name of the Bible. Right. We've uh, evangelical christianity i'm talking about not christian reconstruction we're talking about the evangelifish here they've graduated past that and since a christian reconstruction this is someone who should be able to light the way for christians in our culture out of the stale belly of the giant evangelifish it would be absolutely 100 beyond the pale ludicrous to suggest that racism segregationism or anything like that would be tolerated in the least in reconville right Not one iota, not one iota amongst the forces of righteousness and true justice, right? The full orb gospel people never would tolerate anything like that, right? Right, especially with our history, right? So we have this truth. We have this illumination during a time of darkness that we can set the captives free. Now is the time to get the message out in word and deed. Let's think now. What could be the worst thing? Let's think. Let's do a thought experiment. What could be the worst thing that Christian reconstructionists could do? What would be the easiest possible way to shoot ourselves in the foot right out of the gate trying to get this message of justice based on the gospel of God into the culture in 2018? All right, so, like, we're in a classroom setting, So it's like, show of hands, class. Who has any idea what that thing would be? Uh, uh, Johnny in the back, I see your hand. What do you say it would be? Uh- Um, Professor, uh, what if these uh, illuminated Reconstructionists that you're talking about actually had a few public figures in their ranks that put forward racism in the name of Christ like Dabney did? Like, you know, what if that happened today and that mixed marriages were adultery and that amalgamation of the races was a socialist plot of the devil? And, you know, would that work to blast the airplane to smithereens uh, while it was still on the runway? I mean, how about, for good measure, the rest of the recons tolerated them in teaching positions and invited them as experts to speak at their conferences? Would that do the trick? Well, Johnny, uh, yeah, no doubt. I mean, yeah, that would do the trick. But let's just try to be a tad bit realistic here with these hypotheticals. I mean, nobody says these things in 2018 in our culture. How would it even be on the discussion for those seeking to reconstruct the culture based on God's law? Don't be silly. Come on, right now. I want to curse right now, man. You got to be kidding me. You have to be kidding me that we're sitting here talking about this today. Oh, give me a second. Give me a second. We're going to wrap this up. We need to get to some specific examples I'm sorry. I, I'm I'm sorry. I, I I mean, this is just way out there, <laughs> way out there, man. <laughs> it's got to be like a hidden camera all over. We're like in one of those Jim Carrey like movies or whatever with the ocean and the the, the we're like in a big bubble. <laughs> you got to laugh, right? All right. Okay, so for those viewers and listeners who were as uninitiated as I was up until a short time ago, this is going to come as a shock. Little Johnny's absurd hypothetical is indeed the case. Among Christian reconstructionists in modern ministry, there are two prominent, prominent examples of proponents of racist policies. And these two examples seem to have powerful sway in a big enough platform where there is no way the case could be made that this is not tolerated in the recon community there is no possible way that it could be said that the recon community does not in some way put up with the egregious heresy that god wants the marriage bed to be segregated on the basis of skin tone can you believe it i mean i can't but it's true At Reconstructionist Radio, we've posted an article on all of our platforms by Joel McDermott titled Interracial Marriage and Racism in Modern Ministry. Two two prominent examples. Most of us connected with Reconstructionist Radio have shared it on our personal Facebook pages as well. Yeah, I, I, I I I don't want to go too far off, you know, to the left or to the right on this issue, but... You know, in the ecclesiology debate, the whole thing is, you know, elders and stuff. And, you know, whether you have, you know, enough registered elders over you or the position of biblical elders, um, you know, with the neo recon, ecclesiocrat back and forth kind of whole thing. You know, let me let me tell you something, man. How could you be qualified as a biblical elder? Seriously, if you if you can't (laughs) if you can't exercise uh, ethical judicial judgment on this right here in 2018 in america as a christian um i would suggest that as a disqualification for eldership um anyway in this article by joel mcdermott the the two prominent examples that we have today that represent a doctrinal stench from our familiar past are our peter hammond of frontline fellowship that's peter hammond of frontline fellowship and john weaver of freedom ministries how many recons agree with these two men's views of race is not certain. I imagine it's few. Few. I don't think it's many. I think it's, it's few, and I think those views are very private. However, a large swath of the small camp of illuminated Christians in our culture do, in fact, give a very special place for these men in their ministries. To the point. That they're given position to speak at conferences and any seeker from the culture who spends a little time on the interwebs can find that they are tolerated, unrepentant as they are on their racial positions by many, many many Reconstructionists, if not the majority of the most influential Reconstructionists How bad is it? Well let's take a look This is Peter Hammond from Frontline Fellowship, and this is uh, this is from the article, Joel McDermott's article, um, Interracial Marriages in Modern Ministry: Two Prominent Examples. In his article, this is this is this is from the article, and it's posted. I see see it's posted right now. In his article, Hammond does not only question the wisdom of certain interracial marriages on pragmatic grounds or think that race may be incidental or to greater cross-cultural differences that may place strain upon potential marriages. But he, that is Hammond, argues from various grounds that such marriages are themselves a violation of the fifth commandment and a betrayal of God. He also strongly implies, if not argues, that interracial marriages are a form of adultery and constitute no marriage at all. In God's eyes, Hammond warns against catastrophic consequences for interracial marriages and argue that they break the fifth commandment. Generally speaking, two people from different races or cultures getting married are not honoring their parents. Hammond more directly says that interracial unions are unbiblical and summarizes them as sin with the following claims to marry across color line. Listen to this, listen to this. This sounds like Robert Dabney, no? To marry across the color line would be to me to betray my parents and all of our ancestors and my children and future generations. Most importantly, I believe it would be a betrayal to almighty God. What is a betrayal to God? Theonomists, what is a betrayal to God? On the contrary, for believers to marry across the color line is not by any means, and this is McDermott talking, is not by any means a betrayal of God. Thank God for Joel McDermott, man, my my man. Appreciate you, man, standing up, providing the scholarship for all of this, man, my man. Good looking out, brother. Yeah. Hammond's claim not only have no biblical warrant whatsoever, they're frankly pagan, materialistic, and disobedient to God, calling such marriages a betrayal of God and calling evil something that God calls good and when these get put when when, you you know the when when the responses of of hammond uh get posted on the internet and stuff like that you should see the kind of people that come and defend it you should see the kind of people like yeah get them peter i mean these are real racist bigots like using the word like brother to like refer to black people and stuff like that seriously speaking and on the Reconstructionist radio discussion group right now, there is a post up there by one of these kinnists, racists. Uh, and and uh, um, his name's not important, but it is just filth. I mean, the screenshots are right there and then right in the corner. Guess who likes it? Peter Hammond. All right. One of the classic hallmarks of the modern segregationist or kinnis argument hammond sees interracial marriages as part of a marxist conspiracy to destroy christian civilization by in part mixing african skin with colors of those of european descent he writes and this is hammond now for centuries actually millenniums interracial marriage was either illegal strongly discouraged or frowned upon however in the latter part of the 20th century and now at the beginning of the 21st century hollywood and the news media have bombarded us with images and propaganda to promote all manner of previously unacceptable conduct including interracial marriages Nowhere has this been more intense than in South Africa over the last two decades where he's from, where he ministers at, whatever. Uh, It often seems that two out of every three. Listen to this. Listen to this racist filth. It, it, It often seems that two out of every three advertisements have a black male and a white female. numerous new world order advocates openly say that mixed marriages are necessary to eradicate the whites and future generations mixed marriages are a plot of the devil of communism of the new world order a real reconstructionist type of statement wouldn't you say sounds like some kind of like if you dip like a dispensationalist like in in, you mix like a dispensationalist with like robert dabney that is exactly what they would say um so so ridiculous he, he goes on for i'm not going to read all i can't stand it i i, I really can't I, I don't i don't have the stomach for it i mean this is disgusting are you are you serious so further he states for for hundreds of generations our ancestors married within their race and none of us would exist otherwise I, okay that's that's enough. that's enough that's enough that 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 was peter hammond I mean, uh, like, what's the, if, if I read, if I read, I, I actually did, and I'm not going to expose the, the name of the individual, but I actually read that um, to a good friend, a pastor friend of mine who's in the, in the ministry industrial complex. We still talk a lot. We still hang out. Um, I'm not going to divulge the name. I, I read that to him and, and, and uh, I said, what would you say? What would happen if somebody like that was booked for one of your conferences? What, what would happen if like a speaker was booked? and then like that came out you know that 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 that's what he has that's what he believes and he didn't really even know what to tell me he's like oh he's like what do you mean he thought it was like a joke he thought it was funny or something you know and then and i was like no and then i told him the situation and here's what he told me he said you know he looks like you reconstructionists have have a little bit of work to do before you can tell us anything about the schools or police or anything like that and um and that, that's what, I mean, it's just, it, you know, it, the, I was on the evangelical, show. I'm telling you what exactly would have happened if, if in the ridiculous situation that that occurred, exactly what would have happened is that speaker would have been disinvited in a second. And the person that booked them, if they were on paid staff would be canned immediately gone. I mean, gone, please don't have anything to do with this ministry. Again, you do not have the judgment to be able to handle your position period. It just wouldn't be a problem. So Hammond, in his own words, this is Hammond in his own words, uh, replying um, to to Joel McDermott in an article posted. Look, without irony, on a Kinist website. Without irony, this is a Kinist website that shared this from uh, from Hammond, from uh, from Hammond. This is what Robert Dabney says of himself. We are not teaching anything different from R.J. Rushdooney or Professors Francis Nigel Lee or Robert Louis Dabney, Chief of Staff to Stonewall Jackson and Robert Lee, would be similarly damned by your standards. Let me read that again. Peter Hammond says, I, Peter Hammond, am not teaching anything different than Robert L dabney so from now on if you invite me peter hammond to your event you are inviting robert l dabney we're not teaching anything different and if you notice in that list if you notice in the list uh of, of people he, he mentioned he throws Rush's name in there and stuff like that you notice the one that he expounds on the most right it's it's uh it's it's Robert Louis Dabney, the chief of staff to Stonewall Jackson and General Robert Lee. This guy knows Dabney's work very, 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 very well. And he identifies himself with Robert L. Dabney, out of his own words. So it's Peter Dabney from now on. It's 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 Peter Dabney. It's 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 Roger it's Robert Hammond from now on. Um that's that's from his own words. So, giving this well-educated Dabneyite a platform to speak—that um, <laughs> should not be on the table. Let's just uh, let's just say that should not be on the table. Period. <laughs> I mean, how. How ridiculous how, how ridiculous is this? How ridiculous. Alright. So we have another example. It's it's uh it's not just uh it's not just it's not just Peter Dabney. All right. We also have John Weaver of Freedom Ministries. <clears throat> Listen to this. This is this is again from Joel's article. He got this out. <laughs> Listen to this. This this is this is Weaver. This is Weaver. See if you could stomach this one. Had God desired only one race, he would not have created the other races. And if God desired that we intermarry and amalgamate and become one, why would he have begun the other races to begin with? Very obviously, it was not his desire that we intermarry. Because when you intermarry, what you do is you then basically destroy the races. You cannot maintain the differences. One of the principles... That is laid out now this this is this is John Weaver. One of the principles that is laid out very plainly in the book of Genesis, what God created is that everything was to bring forth forth fruit after its own kind. You could have read you could listen, you could have read this in in eighteen forty five. Now now it's very simple. How in the world can you bring forth forth fruit after your own kind if you intermarry? The answer is you can't. You produce a different kind. This guy thinks that a black person is not the same kind as him. Let me tell you, this guy thinks in 2018 in America, moving the ball for the gospel of the kingdom of God across America. This guy thinks that the race determines the kind. That your race determines your kind. Culture to this guy is race externalized. A different race is going to be a different kind. Is that crazy? Is that nuts? Is is that absolutely out of this? I mean, like, hey, Joe, Joe. I mean, Pinchard, are we really here? Somebody punched me in the face. Are we actually doing this today? Now, this is this is John Weaver more. Now, let me just make a statement. And I want to show it to you from the Bible. They of course, can't just make it your own study. Gotta be from the Bible. From the Bible. You see, the amalgamation of races is a form of adultery. You say what? Yes. The amalgamation of the races is a form of adultery. The eighth commandment is thou shalt not commit adultery. I want you to understand that adultery is far more than sexual sin. It is that, but it is also a watering down. It is a dissolution and a destruction of a bond and or a substance. Listen, you, uh, uh, you all in mixed marriages out there, whatever this guy thinks your mixed mixed marriages or something like that, your marriage is, you don't, you have a destruction of bond according to this minister of the gospel of the kingdom of God. Your marriage is adultery. Your children are bastards. It's true. It's true. That's John Weaver. That's John Weaver. It also destroys the bond that exists between families. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes, we see very much what you're saying. So what happens is, it is a watering down. Now listen carefully to what our founding fathers said. Well, you've got to bring them in, right? To secure the blessings of liberty for ourselves and our posterity. John Weaver. All right. This is what he says. The question must be asked, how many Mexicans, how many Orientals, how many blacks, and other races were present and participating in the execution of that document being the Constitution? What is the answer? None. Not one. Yes, there were blacks in the country, but they were slaves. Yes, there were Mexicans and there were Indians out on the western frontier, but they had not been conquered yet. Oh shoot. <laughs> All right. All right. But none were at the founding of this nation. Now, I'm <laughs> this is, this is this is my favorite one in my in this whole thing from John Weaver from the article Joe McDermott uh, his first one. This is my favorite one. Now I'm not trying to sound racist. <laughs> oh. That's my favorite sentence in the whole thing, man. You have, come on, you have to laugh. You have to laugh. No, I'm not trying to sound racist. Whenever you, somebody says that, uh, <laughs> this is the most racist thing I've ever heard. It, it, include include. This is like so offensive. Uh, like including that. This is like right there with the "Fens of Africa" quote from Robert from Robert Dabney, Peter Dabney, Robert Dabney, Peter Dabney, Dabney, Dabney Luke. Peter Dabney Hammond Weaver. Whatever. All right. <laughs> now, I'm not trying to sound racist, nor am I being racist. I am simply pointing out a fact, and here's here is the fact, that this country was founded by white European Christians who wanted to... Uh, yeah, I... I... I, I. All right, whatever. I'll finish it. Who wanted to establish a Christian culture, not an African culture, not an Oriental culture, not a Muslim culture, not a Mexican culture. See how, that, see how he mixes in like the, the faiths with the ethnicities, not a Muslim culture and, and then not a Mexican culture. You, you see that? That is that's paganism right there. Just ooh, switching in, you know, the, the, you know, a false faith with a false genetic, you know, like that. Right. Um, hmm. But a Christian culture. We want to create the Christian culture. And it is this Christian culture, uh, says Weaver, that is passed down to our posterity from the white ones to the white ones, right? Now, that what is happening in America, he says. Are you listening? The same exact thing that happened in Israel. Interracial marriage, idolatry, and multiculturalism. To back his position... He quotes, and you know what? I, I, I can't, I can't do this anymore. He quotes a Christian identity proponent, Robert McCurry. I, I mean, this guy is something else. This guy, is, it's just, you know, I mean, it's just basically like reading Robert L. Dabney. That's, and that's what they say. They say we're just basically that generation. They say it. Straight out. If you ask one of these guys, they'll tell you, oh, we're, no, we're, this is like your, your great-grandfather's Calvinism. This is what they say. And then you look at the Presbyterians in the South like Robert L. and like, well, I mean, yeah, I guess. I mean, in certain ways. I don't know everything about that era, but I know a lot more after reading Joel's book, The Problem of Slavery in Christian America, and yeah, in many ways, very close to it. In many ways. Very, very close to it. I mean... Do we need to read any more Dabney quotes to actually kind of find out what it is that that Peter Hammond teaches? I mean Peter Hammond says he's Robert Dabney. Do we need to read more Robert Dabney quotes? Peter Dabney, Robert Dabney. Do we need to read more Dabney quotes? Let's do let's just do one more. All right, let's do one more. Thus at once he becomes, and this is, this is Robert L. Dabney, thus at once he becomes a joint ruler over white churches. He must sit and speak and vote among you, talking about blacks in the congregation. So then you will have this Negro of yours reviewing and censoring the records of white sessions and sitting to judge appeals brought before you by white parties, possibly by white ladies. (gasps) Oh, no. Robert, Robert Dabney, Robert Dabney. He must be innocent, indeed, who does not see whither all this tends, as it is designed by our oppressors to terminate. It is, shall I pronounce the abhorred word, to amalgamation. Page 292. The problem of slavery in Christian America. So that's, 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 that's who Peter Hammond identifies with, Robert Dabney. So he says it in his, own, in his own words. I'm teaching nothing other than what Robert Dabney is teaching. So that's who you're listening to. However, the views are cloaked. Maybe the, the church now has like, you know, maybe they have like black and white members in the church, but definitely not in the marriage bid. The bid we will segregate because we need to keep the races pure and separate, right? Pretty infuriating, no? Pretty infuriating. I mean, there it is. Not much more needs to be said. I felt just as as disgusting reading that as I did narrating the contents of Joel's book I, when I was reading Hammond or or when I was reading um, uh, when I was reading Weaver uh, I felt just as disgusting as as having to pause and wanting to punch my computer screen uh, when I was re- when I was narrating the problem of slavery in Christian America um, the fact that we are dealing with this today ladies and gentlemen it, it just it, it just... It just, it just should be a given that these such men, teachers, would be immediately disqualified for their recognition as legitimate for teaching these pagan views on race that have such a recent sting in our past and rightfully debilitating effect on winning the the hearts on moloch moloch's modern plantations it's stunning this is a sick sick joke can you think of any other way a better way to disqualify christian reconstruction to go into like inner city new york and to try to you know get an urban missions done and maybe like you know to build up some kind of trade school or something like that to do it based on the gospel of god and then to, you know when they find out that your real identity is like well wait a second you guys toler her oh what did he say are you kidding oh that was it oh i mean it's just it's a sick joke so look the line in the sand is drawn the line in the sand is drawn this is not a talk that that i wanted to give um this is a (laughs) i mean it's just it's such a it's such a weird feeling i want to honor god but i mean you know and and it's like wow i'm just so astonished that this is necessary and like a lot of the people who are like involved with promoting these guys are being kind of silent or tolerating it are like people that i like so like looked up to their work i'm like whoa are you serious this this i mean the line in the sand is drawn speaking on behalf now of reconstructionist radio any supposed Bible teacher that slanders interracial marriage as adultery in the families of such marriages as adulterous families with bastard children is, and it is so absurd to have to say this, not to be tolerated, plain, just point blank, not to be tolerated. To state the most obvious, as Joel pointed out in a recent Facebook post, no Christian and certainly no Christian leader may remain silent in the face of such teaching. None should tolerate such teaching in their midst, nor entertain and receive those who teach it. Indeed, each of us. Is to the person we ought to unify in decrying this error and endeavoring in the in the utmost to eradicate it from our assemblies, conferences, associations, etc. Joe McDermott drew that line in the sand in a, in a Facebook post, and 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 half of it. I'm reading it, and it's like I'm reading. I'm like, wait to stand, and then I'm like, oh my goodness, is this really necessary? Is is one of the scholars from our movement? Did they really have to say this and do this? And it's just like, this is not something that I, I I mean, I know that I have a lot of people who are not reconstructionists who are watching this and they're just like, whoa, like I thought Joe had the theology here. Like I thought like it was convicting the stuff he was giving me for my sermons and like, yeah, we can't feed our kids to the humanistic incubation centers. And yeah, we can't, you know, do lawlessness enforcement and all of that and support the uh, executive policies of the pagan state. And whoa, what are they dealing with? Who are these guys? Like, I mean, the toleration of this as, as a matter of conscience ignores and shames the countless victims. I mean, the countless victims, anybody, if you, I mean, to have your marriage slandered from the pulpit or slandered by a powerful ecclesiastical figure, as adultery, and you're a theonomist, what is the penalty? For, uh, for adultery in the law of God. Now, whether it abides today or whether it doesn't in the same way that it did before for those outside of the theonomic circles, this is some very, 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 very serious, serious this is not a, a light consequence. Not, oh, this guy's opinion is this or whatever. He's saying that's adultery. That is the same as adultery. And what does a false accuser like that get according to the law of God? Well, the punishment that was meant for the victim. So, I mean, sort that out sort that out as you want and, and and as you will um i could get into different thing, whatever uh, you know look i utterly oppose the anti-miscegenation position i will call upon everyone else to do so i hereby by draw a line in the sand for leaders and would-be leaders within the christian reconstruction movement broadly speaking This sinful doctrine is a line that should not be crossed, nor should we allow any teacher with whom we associate with to cross it either. This should be and is, in fact, a non-negotiable. And here's what Joel McDermott says. He says, at the end of the day, when the dust clears, if I am the only one standing on this side of the line, I will remain standing and I will not budge and I will pronounce the same moral judgment then as now. And though I am certain that I will not be alone. Yeah, Joe, you will not be alone. Reconstructionist Radio stands with you on that side of the line, regardless if everybody else is gone. And every whether they're gone by tolerating it or giving room to it or endorsing it in some way, shape, or form, or whatever. At Reconstructionist Radio, we call upon every leader or would-be leader to make their position equally clear. According to the doctrine of no neutrality silence in the face of evil is evil itself providing a platform for such evil the slander of godly families the paganism of genes determining culture well for us Not acceptable is not strong enough of a condemnation. We call on all of our co-laborers in the cause of King Jesus to make the commitment to clearly oppose this rancid ideology and join us in abstaining from all gatherings and assemblies, either as a speaker, sponsor, attendee, or any other capacity, Where any person teaching or otherwise is welcome or entertained as a teacher or a speaker with the exception of presenting oneself in opposition. With the exception of presenting oneself in opposition. We will not build with untempered mortar. The line in the sand has been drawn. As embarrassing it is that we must make this public stand to begin with. Lord, use it as an impetus to keep us humble. Perhaps that's what this is all about. Keep us humble, Lord, so that you can truly use us to light up the darkness to serve the least in our culture and therefore win their hearts and build the walls with good mortar. I appreciate y'all for joining me for this. This uh, is Joe Salon with Reconstructionist Radio. Thank you for joining us in the war room.
0: Please enjoy The Nation's Rage, Psalm 2, by My Soul Among Lions. Why do the nations rage?